Before I begin speaking about Mother's Day, I do want to share with you that Mother's Day for me, for many, many years, was very difficult. Uh, my mother was hospitalized when I was eight years old, and she passed away. She was continually hospitalized until a few years after Marion and I got married. So I basically grew up without a mother. Uh, I never really experienced Mother's Days because mom was always in the hospital and we were unable to go and see her as children. But then I met my wife-to-be and I met her mother and she immediately became my mother. <laughs> and I learned what a mother's love really was all about from my mother-in-law. And my lovely wife, Marion, is up in Indiana right now visiting her mother with my daughter, and uh, she's uh, spending Mother's Day. My, my mother-in-law's well into her 80s and not doing well health, but uh, she's spending Mother's Day with mom, and I love her for that. But yes, today is Mother's Day, and that's a day when families pay special attention and special tribute to the moms in various ways. Some people take them out to dinner or buy them special gifts. But the sad thing is, is that oftentimes, Mother's Day is really just a time when families try to atone for an entire year of neglect and disrespect and for a lack of appreciation. It shouldn't be that way, but sometimes it is. Now, most people agree whether they're Christians or not, that we are living in what's called a post-Christian era. Now, that doesn't mean that the church is dead or that Christianity is dead. What it means, though, is that the influence that biblical Christianity once had on our nation and on our culture, it's really diminished to the point where it wouldn't be recognized by Christians 100 or 200 years ago. That includes morality, education, social action, and maybe most importantly, parenting. Basically, what's happened is that secular humanistic reasoning has taken the place of biblical truth when it comes to setting the parameters for the home and family. By contrast, a Christian should be the one who sees the home and marriage and parenting as framed within the parameters of God's infallible and authoritative word. That's the Bible. And the truth of God's word should not only shape our beliefs and practices in all areas of life, but they are absolutes that guide us through life. And so our opinions and beliefs are only legitimately Christian if they agree and line up with God's word. But see, the problem in our society today is that minds have been darkened by secularism and sin. A lot of folks can't tell if something is biblical or secular at all. Well, we would expect that from the world, but we're actually seeing the same thing within the church as well. The trend that we're seeing in the church is that church folks are acknowledging 
the sufficiency of God in the Bible, but they fail to see a need to subject their personal opinions and reasoning and emotions to the guidelines of Scripture in all areas of life, including what happens at home. We read something like Romans 12, 2, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And now some of us might think that, well, that only applies to our moral behavior, but not things like marriage or raising kids. Instead, I read a disturbing report that over 50% of people in our society today, they get their parenting information from talk show hosts and social media. But we know that all of, the relation, all of our relationships should be directed by the truth of Scripture, whether it's education or finance or political involvement or our jobs or marriages or parenting. Now, having said all of that, okay, yeah, we're still good. Having said all of that, I'm ready to start my sermon. You can tell I'm retired, huh? I'd like to honor all the moms and grandmas and great-grandmas and great-great-grandmas by reading select, you know, select verses from Proverbs, chapter, of Proverbs 31. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate and he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She is clothed, clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. 
What's kind of amazing about this chapter in Proverbs is that as you read the verses in Hebrew, which I'm sure we all know Hebrew, as you read them, it's actually an acrostic. In other words, it goes from A not to B, because those aren't the Hebrew alphabet. It goes from A to Toth, or like A to Z. I think that's kind of cool that God would do that. But there's the, and the second thing I want to point out is that there's this word that's translated virtuous. In Hebrew, it's cheil. But it literally means strength and valor, and in all ways, excellent. Throughout the Bible, this word is translated as able or capable about eight times, and it's translated as strength about ten times. But here, it's translated as valiant or excellent 40 different times. And it's referring to a woman's moral strength, integrity, and efficiency. As we look at these verses, we get a good understanding of what the writer meant by virtuous. If you look at verse 11 and 12 and 23, you see that a woman is trustworthy and devoted. She has her husband's confidence, and she enhances his reputation. And she's also a woman of diligence and wisdom. We see that in verses 13 and 19. She's not afraid to work. I have seen my mother-in-law and my wife exhibit this characteristic, as I'm sure, husbands, you've seen your wives and your mothers exhibit this. Not afraid to work. And she's a wise shopper. And she plans ahead. It also says in these verses that the woman is a giving person. She extends her hand to the poor. In other words, she has planned ahead well enough to be able to not only take care of her family's needs, but also the needs of the poor. Thank you, moms. She is dependable. We see that in verses 15 and 21 and 27. When adversity comes, you know she's already got a plan to deal with whatever it might be. And lastly, she's a woman who loves the Lord. We see that by reading all the verses. She's someone who is guided and directed by God's word and God's wisdom. Now, ladies, you might be thinking, well, this isn't describing a woman. It's describing a superwoman. And that's actually a pretty good assessment. It's describing a woman who is living in a supernatural way with a supernatural God. And it has to be that way because there are few things that are more important to our society than godly mothers. The Bible is clear in its teachings, both explicit and implicit, that it's the family that is the foundation of society. 
And while fathers are responsible for the way the family goes, mothers are the glue that holds the family together. Moms, do you find yourself so busy that you don't take time to sit at the feet of the Lord and listen to his word and take your burdens and cares to him? The Bible makes it pretty clear that no wife or husband or mom or dad can be the kind of spouse or parent that God has called them to be without the Lord's help. In fact, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Let's finally take a look at the last two verses of Proverbs 31. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. The woman who fears the Lord doesn't have to toot her own horn, and she doesn't have to brag or boast about what she's accomplished. Her own works will praise her. People will see it and know it. Her children will rise up and call her blessed, and her husband will praise her. Do you hear that, guys? Praise her. So let me just encourage all you moms out there this morning. God doesn't call you to be perfect, but he does call you to walk in his perfection. It's not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit, declares the Lord. So take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. In other words, take time to get into the Word of God. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Learn the Bible. If you like, memorize the Bible. You do that, and before long, you're living the Bible. Compare what God's Word says with what the world says. And if they differ, reject the world's point of view. And lastly, keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Lay aside every weight of sin that so easily besets us and look unto the author and finisher of your faith. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all of the mothers that you've given us. Lord, we ask your continued blessings upon their ministries to their family and to their communities. Lord, we can't thank you enough for all that they have done. Help us all to encourage one another to be the people and the mothers that you would have us to be. In Jesus we pray. Amen.